Hello, beautiful people. Today, my conversation is with Justin C. Scott. And Justin is someone who I connected with first in 2018. But when I read his tweets and read his thoughts back in 2018, I really didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't know the depth of his knowledge and awareness. And it's only since becoming aware of my own thoughts did I start resonating with Justin's frequency a little bit more. And so Justin's a a coach and he's a consultant and he is someone who is pursuing the highest version of themselves and is quite self-aware, which you'll, you'll see in this conversation about how he is doing that. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Justin C. Scott. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. The first thing I want to bring up is that when I watch one of your videos, I get such a sense of calmness from your voice and just talking to you briefly before this, I get a sense of calmness. Where does that come from? Uh, I appreciate that a lot, my man. And man, in regards to where it comes from, um, I obviously can't speak on, you know, why people uh, uh, receive me the way that they do. And I'm sure there's probably people who maybe don't necessarily feel that same sense of calmness from me when I speak. Um, but I've always been a big proponent when it comes to connection um, of the frame of this is, even if it's someone that I've never met before, regardless if it's a personal connection or a professional connection online or in person, I always try to move into it with the frame of this is an old friend that I haven't spoken to in 10 years. And mm. we're just refamiliarizing each other or w- uh, with each other, right? And that allows me the ability to to have a kind of calm approach, I suppose you could say, to the interaction and uh, an ease in regards to the interaction. And I think people tend to follow state more than they tend to set state, right? And so in that regard, I think that could be potentially why uh, maybe for you and, and others, who knows, that I could could give that uh, impression um, or exude that uh, energy is because I try to consciously go into every interaction that I have, especially new ones, with a preconceived intention to build trust and familiarity. Hmm. Does that come from the idea that we're all connected in some way? You you just said that you know you're approaching the situation as if you're meeting an old friend. And if we are all one, let's say, then that would make inherent sense. Does that come from that a little bit? Abs- absolutely. 100, 120%. There's no doubt that that is the, uh, what I would call the core of the ability to be able to do it at all. Um, and also, I think it helps not only myself, but whoever I'm interacting with in regards to polarization. Because I know that you know there's people that you interact with or connect with that 
it really is like you were friends for a decade and it's as, as if you've known that person and there's other people that, you know, you might not have any ill will towards them. You might not um, uh, have any like, um, uh, what's the word, like dislike or disdain for them, mm-hmm. but you just can't really click, you know, there's just not much there. And I think, I think approaching relationships with the intention to find out which one it is or where on those two extremes it lies is so much more advantageous because one, nobody ends up wasting time and energy. You kind of get a better sense of where you stand. Right. Um, And two, it allows you to cultivate relationships that are meant to be cultivated instead of going into it and thinking, um, you know, is this person going to like me and are they going to receive me? Well, I think it's better to, you know, let's make a point to actually find out whether or not, um, not to go off on a tangent and to bring it back to the original question in regards to, does that come from us all being one a hundred percent? I think so. Because the one thing that I think human beings all have in common, uh, is that awareness, that sense that you are a presence that you are, uh, existing as, and all of the other things that are built up on top of that when it comes to personality and identity and preference and likes and dislikes, uh, that's the variation between all of us. And that's what makes us all unique. But at the end of the day, foundationally, we all have that same shared connection in the sense of, I know that I am, and I know that I exist in whatever that actually means. Right. When did you come to the realization that we were all one and we we're all connected? I think this question has, for me personally, like two different answers. I guess there was a time where I almost intuitively knew, but not conceptually. And then there was a time where I consciously began to figure this out, right? Um, ever since I was a kid, I was always very introspective and, and very, um, uh, I don't know. I always ask these questions, right? Like in the, in the, in the framework, cause I was brought up in a Christian household, but I was very fortunate to have parents who encouraged my asking of questions and, and, uh, and my exploration of ideas and concepts that were presented me through, through the religion that I was brought up in. And so my experience was very nurturing rather than I think restrictive in a way that it can be for a lot of people. And now, of course, as I've aged, my, idea of, of uh, religion and spirituality and personal connection to God has greatly changed and evolved. Um, but when I was younger, I would ask these questions of like, okay, well, we don't like, where did God come from? And my parents would openly and honestly answer, well, we don't know that answer. And I would start to extrapolate like, well, how old and, and what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for us? And so when I was a child, even though I don't really conceptually understand, because I was a kid, I had this intuitive sense, I think, at the time that there was something else happening here beyond just, you know, all Mm -hmm. of this, right? And then I would say the conscious flip probably happened like 14 or 15 years old. I was at a point where, of course, at that age, I was concerned more with like what my peers thought of me and fitting in. And and there was a time for a little bit uh, where I felt like I didn't. But then there was a time after 
a couple of years where I really felt like I did. And I was getting along with people and, you know, people were open to me and receptive to me. And I had friends and all these different types of, you know, groups and different cliques and such. And I still was feeling like there was something missing. And that brought me back to my spiritual center. And then, I mean, my junior year of high school, man, I, I basically intentionally scraped by with D's so that I could spend all of my time researching and learning more about our own connections with ourselves and each other, uh, our own psychology, different spiritual um, uh, practices and perspectives and different cultures and the way that they engage with each other and themselves and what it means to be self-aware and what it means to be a fulfilled uh, and uh, a fulfilled individual and to strive for, I guess you could call a state or a sense of completeness. Um, and that has just continued to naturally evolve. And that is obviously now uh, integrated into all that I do, all the content that you see from me online, all the work that I do, you know, uh, uh, with my clients, uh, all of that has kind of just woven into the fabric of not only the way that I live my own life and, and conduct my own self, but how I choose as consciously as I'm able to present myself into the world, right? Okay, so let's take it back to that junior year of high school when you're scraping so, by with D's. Yeah. What are you studying exactly? What types of things are you exploring? And give us a sense for where you are and what you're going through. Sure, sure. So uh, I would say it was around that time frame where I first got introduced to the idea that thoughts are a, an energy that expands beyond us, beyond us. And I remember when the idea was first presented to me and it, it just came, I just came across it in, in my Googling, you know, there was like, I'm sure you can probably attest to this. There are moments in your life where you can kind of pinpoint certain experiences where it was almost a before and after right? It was life before when you were aware of that or had that experience and then life after the fact. And this was one of those moments for me. It completely changed everything that I thought I knew. And when I came into this idea that thought is what brings us what it is that we end up experiencing. And when you are consciously aware of that and you move that thought into the world through the way in which you act, it, it changed my life, completely changed my life and continues to this day to change my life. And so uh, really it was foundationally about that. I wanted to know as much as I could about that process and what that meant. And of course that led me into Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism and all of the other types of, of uh, spiritual and religious traditions that really for me expanded and, and, and gave greater depth to my own personal relationship with God that I had originally in my Christianity, right? Um, it wasn't restrictive to me. It was highly expansive, um, but it was ultimately all in pursuit of understanding on a greater degree, not only how thoughts create the reality in which we experience, but how we can utilize that um, in a way that allows us to be much more conscious in the approach that we have towards not only creating who we want to be as people, but the lives we want to experience 
as people. And then more importantly, the impact that we want that to have on the people that we connect with and come across, right? And beyond just spiritual text and religious text, psychological text and sociological text and different videos and just all kinds of stuff, man, I was a sponge. Um, I'm still a sponge. <laughs> but at that time, especially, like I said, I, I couldn't be bothered with homework or tests because I was like, I have to read this. This is what's important. This is what I need to know about. And that that decision um, uh, served me extremely well and continues to serve me exceptionally well. And I just I feel grateful every single day. And I'm sure you do also being a young man to understand and have that knowledge and perception uh, coupled with youth mm. and the energy that allows us to actually utilize it to, I think, a fuller extent. So you come across this realization that thoughts impact our reality in such a way. Now, what do you do with that? Yeah, that's the, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, well, I also think it, it, it evolves in complexity in regards and nuance because it's going to be a different answer for different people, right? Um, but I think one thing that is consistently true is we all have internal energies within us, okay? And first and foremost, human beings are emotional creatures. We like to play at rationality. And I'm not saying uh, or downplaying our rational capability, but we are emotion-driven because emotion is the... I would argue the purest form of energy that we have that connection and access to. And it is what allows us, I think, to give someone can look at a painting and understand rationally what's going on within the painting. It's a picture of a person or a landscape, but it is the emotional charge connected with that rational observation that allows you to experience it in only the way that you can through emotion, okay? So to, to take it back a little bit, uh, emotional energy and, and mental energy, two primary forces that, that exist within us, okay? So when it comes to how do we utilize, most of us are living reactionary lives emotionally and unconscious lives when it comes to our rationality, right? So and the work that I'm constantly doing on my own self and for my own self and the way in which that I would argue I predominantly work with my clients is getting people into a more conscious state with the way in which they observe internally, first and foremost, the emotional and mental energy so that they can better respond to that energy and then transmute it in a conscious way, meaning that the, the, they choose how rather than reacting to, Right they give that into the world and then they provide that into the world. So um, one analogy that I like to think about it with is this. Uh, I'm under the belief that every single choice that we could make from macro, big life changing, alter, life altering decisions to what am I going to eat next? You know, they set ourselves on a certain trajectory towards the future. Right. And we may never even consciously realize the shift or change. But if you have, let's say, a hundred different possible paths presented to you at any moment, I think what the how comes down to is collapsing the amount of potential and uh, all of the, let's say, hundred possibilities to maybe the 10 or 20 ideal possibilities and paths and learning how to more consciously walk towards those 
in relation to what it is that you hold in your mind's eye for who you want to be as an individual and what you want to see happen for your life and hopefully the people around you, the people that you love and the people that you can touch through your message and your gifts. You mentioned coaching just now that you're bringing on clients and let's say a client's coming to you and is not conscious of their choices. What are the first few things you're talking to them and saying to them to get them to a more conscious approach? Sure. So one of the, one of the better ways I've always found, and I'm constant again, like I, I, I really make an effort to only preach what I practice. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the benefits of being a coach. And I don't think a lot of uh, coaches and consultants would even mention this, but there will be times where I'll recommend things to my, to my clients and I'll come back to myself and be like, I'm not doing this to the degree that I'm suggesting they do it. So I need to up my game in regards to how I approach this. Right. Which is extremely beneficial um, uh, for me. And I appreciate, um, but to answer that question, I think one of the, most effective means is your internal space is, I would argue a lot like um, water. And when the pool is still and you can see through the water clearly, that allows you to see, I think, more um, accurately these ideals that we speak of, how, who we want to be, how we want to live. But most of the time the water is churned and it's, and it's wavy. And so it's, it's obscured, right? Um, another problem using again, this water analogy, if you are fishing, let's say for certain ideas or insights and you catch one, most of us don't put it anywhere. We just throw it back into the water. And why would we ever anticipate a fish that we catch to swim back to us? Right? So I think it's so important to get everything that is happening internally, first and foremost, solidified and crystallized in some way. So either uh, on paper or on video or recorded, obviously this is leaning into the benefit of journaling, but I don't think people really understand how important it is to get what you consider important and what's coming up intuitively and consciously internally. if we all decided to just write down all of our million million dollar ideas that we have, how much more successful would be would we be in the long run, right? Just from capturing and making a point to capture. And I also find, and this is consistent with everybody that that I work with, when I begin presenting these questions of, do you actually know who you want to be when you think about your ideal self? Because if you have an, everybody has an idea of their ideal life. Everybody has an idea of what their perfect life looks like. Okay, I could do this. I can go here. I can be with these people. I can have this partner. I have this level of financial freedom and location independence. And I ask the question, who is the person that has those things? Because if you were already that person, you would have that life. So there's clearly ways in which you are living as an individual that is not conducive to that life that you have as your ideal. So if you want to experience that ideal externally, you need to develop it intrinsically. And the very first step to developing it intrinsically is becoming aware of who that person is in the first place. You think about who you are currently and you think about the ideal that you're striving for and you're trying to close the gap between those two things. And the questions become, how do I need to think in order to bring myself into closer alignment with that ideal? How do I need to feel? 
And how do I need to emotionally respond to situations in order to bring myself into closer alignment with that ideal? How do I need to deal with challenge and obstacle? Uh, how do I need to, to interact with other people? What kind of value can I provide? How can I utilize my natural gifts with high value skills in order to create not only value in the world, but also uh, find that, I, that intersection between deep fulfillment and uh, uh, objective ap- applicability, right? Um, and I think that is the key. So to, to, to simplify all this, it is a matter of, of crystallizing and solidifying, getting everything that comes up in you that is beneficial onto something that you can see in front of you so that you can go through what is otherwise uh, more emotionally driven and temper it with your rational observation so that you can be, you can begin to kind of connect those otherwise very obscure dots from who you currently are and the way you currently live to the person that you are striving to be and the life that you're striving to live in. I've always said that the level of success that you have in a personal and professional sense is tied intimately to your level of responsibility, that which you can handle. And your level of responsibility, that which you can handle, is intimately and directly tied to your response ability, how consciously you are able to, to act uh, within the world. I have so many thoughts about this. The first part that I want to mention is you mentioning that when people come to you, you are sometimes not doing the activity you are recommending. And it brings me, I think, to a story from Gandhi, who, what happened was, do you know the story that I'm about I think, to tell? I think so. Please tell it, but I, I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> so... I believe a, a woman comes with her child to Gandhi and says, hey, my son can't stop eating sugar. And and Gandhi says, hold on, come back in two weeks. And then Gandhi tells them at the end of two weeks, the child comes back. Gandhi says, well, stop eating sugar now. And the woman, the woman says to him, how did it take you two weeks to just say that simple thing? And he's like, well, it took me two weeks to stop eating that sugar. Is, yeah, I had to yeah, do it first. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's such a good one. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and the point is that just we, we sometimes need to, because someone expects us to know the answers and sometimes we do know the answers, doesn't mean that we're applying it in every moment. And to recognize that we're not is a win in and of itself because then we can start applying and we can start being conscious. To the other point, though, going to a, a different topic that you mentioned in, in what you were talking about last is like you were talking about how someone might not know who they are trying to be and or they might know who they're trying to be, but at the same time, they might feel as if that they're having trouble bridging that gap between who they want to be and who they are today. And my question to you is how much of that do you think is from society, not society's painting a picture that they are not, um, that they don't actually know what they want because they haven't captured their own real thoughts. 
sure. because I, I'm just thinking my own life back to the times when I thought I wanted something, but in reality, I didn't even know what I wanted because I hadn't spent any time listening to myself. Right. Long way of saying, but take that wherever you want to take it. Yeah. And, and I hear where you're coming from. Absolutely. It is difficult in today's day and age, especially because we are constantly connected and, and we are hyper aware of the way in which peop- other people live their lives and the experiences yes. that other people are having and the messages that they are perpetuating and the, and the, the way they said, well, I, I got here by doing this, so you need to do this, right? Those kinds of things. So I get where you're coming from and I 100% think that this is uh, uh, a true struggle for a lot of people. How do you separate the signal from the noise? When there are so many voices constantly speaking in your ear uh, from all of these different channels, how do you differentiate which one is actually yours, mm-hmm. right? And it is difficult. Um, and so I have a few suggestions in regards to this, right? First and foremost is unplug for a little bit and give yourself even even three days of solitude away from your phone and away from other people, you'd be amazed at how much you can discover with yourself alone and a pen and a paper. So true. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's always been true. Right. And yeah. there's a reason that some of the greatest minds throughout all, throughout all of history, at least that we have record record or a record of have done some form of, of this kind of practice and exercise. Okay. Now let's say, for whatever reason, that's not possible for you. It probably almost certainly is. I don't really, I mean, regardless of what you do or who you are, you can probably take about three days, but I digress. I think one of the better places to start is determining what your own values are in regards to, okay, who do I represent as an individual? Uh, and this comes down to integrity. Who are you when nobody else is around and nobody else is looking, Right identifying those aspects. And I would probably for simplicity sake list, let's say, go ahead and list it no more than 10 values that you have. Okay. And then from that point, um, you extrapolate the ways in which those values might manifest in your life, how you present them to the world and what you expect to achieve um, as a result of those values. So I'll give you a perfect example of this. Okay. I absolutely see nothing wrong with gaining personal wealth and personal abundance in a materialistic sense. Okay. Because I am under the belief that something like money is a neutral force in the same way that I believe technology is a neutral force. It inherently has no will or consciousness of its own and no, Um, predisposition towards the way in which it's used, the hands that decide to hold it determine the way in which it's colored, right? And the way in which it's utilized. And so for me personally, I know that I'm an individual with high integrity, strong value of mine. I know that fundamentally one of my, one of my most driving forces and goals is to make the world a better place than it was before I was in it in whatever way that takes shape. And to take care of the people that I love. And then, so for me, I know that gaining material wealth as a result of those values will only allow me to create uh, greater abundance for people outside of me. And that's 
essentially the only reason that I want it in the first place, right? Of course, I want personal freedom and I want uh, greater levels of financial freedom and location freedom and having the opportunity to do, uh, you know, do cool things and go neat places. And, and of course, but ultimately, I just want to continue to serve to the highest degree that I'm able. And I recognize that in today's landscape, building wealth allows me to do that. Okay. Um, and so the reason I use this as the example is because I think this makes a lot of the most sense for a lot of people, right? And so you have to define the values that you are going to represent, why you take action, and it should be tied to those values, and what you're going to do uh, when you cultivate success through those values, however you choose to define it as an individual, okay? Because, of course, money isn't the whole picture. It's barely a stroke on the painting in a lot of ways, but I digress. Um, and then when it comes to amplifying signal and reducing noise, begin to look for people um, who personify to at least some degree or a high degree those values. And then, Danny, I'll, I'll actually pass this off to you uh, in regards to the experience of this because I know that you know what I'm talking about. I guarantee you when you began looking at people, let's say like Gary Vaynerchuk, right? And some of the people that we we mutually uh, follow and engage with, let's say on Twitter, um, and and whoever else you might watch YouTube videos of or consume the feeds of, that allowed you to become much clearer in your pursuit, and allowed you, I would imagine, a stronger foundation from which to not only amplify your own self and your own message in the world, but gave you better tools for arranging, rearranging, and discovering who you are as an individual and who you're striving to become. Would you say that that's probably an accurate sentiment? Absolutely. And I, I think it it comes down to people ask me, you know, like, how do I get guests for the podcast? And I tell them, you know, I think about who I consume. I think about what are the last 100 books that I purchased on Amazon? I think about who are the last 100 people that I go on their their Twitter feed? And if you start thinking about it, people are worried like, oh, I don't want to reach out to people with big followings because that will seem like I'm trying to be someone. But for me, I look at it like I'm just inviting people on who I enjoy talking to. You, one of them who I could enjoy talking to or if I've seen their brain before in action and I, I'm curious about it. How did this person come to be? You know, So I think that's a really important point. Like If you just lean into the things and the people who you are naturally already interested in, that will lead to a greater expression of who you truly are. So going back to you, how have you found that to be the case after you've leaned into people who are, are in your circle or who you consume? Or how has that influenced your experience on this earth? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll just go ahead and make the, the note that it influences every single day. Um, and uh, let's say, for example, a lot of people will ask me, uh, how do you make content? You know, people that I work with or just people that are messaging me or whatever it is that are like, I want to, you know, break out into space, X, Y, Z, you want to go on this platform or that platform or whatever, but I, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. Right. And I always say, well, what do you consume? Mm -hmm. And they're just like, well, you know, I watch X, Y, Z videos and I watch, uh, I read X, Y, Z articles, et cetera. And I say, have you thought about leaning into that? Right. And a lot of the time they'll say like, you know, it's like a, it's like a switch or they have a, an understanding of what it is that they're interested in, interested in, but they're consuming garbage content. 
and it has nothing to do with what they're interested in. And so I'm going to bring it back, I think, to this, right? When I first started my brand, um, and mind you, I still look at my brand as just starting, just starting, man. It's just who imagine a decade from now, Danny, (laughs) I can't even begin to think about it, bro. But uh, anyway, um, when I first started my brand, I had all of these thoughts in regards to what I could do or wanted to do. Right. So I thought maybe I want to do like uh, travel videography. And so that way I can, you know, get put up in cool places for free. And that's an awesome way to awesome way to do it. But, and I, and I, and I experimented with it. I tried it, but I, I, I recognized that like, while I like filming, right. Not really my thing to learn it to this level, right. Not it, that wasn't it for me. Okay. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe I could do some form of like vlogging, you know, and this was way early. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to spend every day trying to figure out what the next thing I'm going to do is. And I'm not really looking to entertain in a purely entertainment sense for some people that is all the way what they love. And I encourage them to chase that. Right. But it just wasn't it for me. And I was thinking to myself, what am I going to represent here? And I need to figure it out. I need to figure out what it is. And then I just began to look at, well, what am I reading and what am I watching and what am I listening to on an, on a daily basis? And it was all self-improvement style content. uh, And it was all self-optimization and things about productivity and spirituality and psychology, all of these things that, again, you now see for me and my brand. And I want to say it clicked, but it was more like, it was more like a kick. It was more like, dude, duh, why did you even, even pretend like this wasn't always going to be what it was? And I looked back on things that I was uh, passionate about and interested in in my youth as well, and how that is now culminated to where I currently am, right? As a kid, I was always very good at communicating with people, okay? And uh, when I was in high school, I was heavily involved in, in choir and show choir and theater Um, And so that got me really uh, able to be able to speak in front of people and talk with a very, uh, a variety of people and, and be able to get into states more easily through, you know, the process of having to learn how to act relatively well, I guess you could say. Um, And, and even the things that I started off with online, like copywriting and social media marketing, all of it, I now see how it is all, all of these weaving different interests and paths have connected to where I currently am now. And so I think it is a matter of one, seeing where you've experientially been before and the ways in which those don't obviously connect, right? You wouldn't look at something like theater and social media marketing and see an intersection there. But then when you begin to think about, well, that's very conducive to having a YouTube channel or a podcast theater, and then the social media marketing know how to grow it, there's your intersection, right? And so I think it is one, again, a matter of experientially understanding where you've been before, as it was for me, two, defining those values, and then how to apply them and what kind of possible futures, possible presence and futures uh, expand as a result of that applied action, right? Well, go ahead. No, you go for it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, and then three, I would argue uh, defining how you want to present that um, in the world, okay? Now, not everyone has to build a brand. Not everybody has to make a YouTube channel or a Twitter account or an Instagram page. But one thing is 
always going to be true. You were given certain, every single person listening to this, to your listener, specifically, I'm talking to you, the individual listening to this right now, you have gifts that you were given and strengths that are predispositioned, meaning that they are just innate within you. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you have some understanding of what those are. It's a matter of combining that with skill sets, either through entrepreneurship or starting a business or getting a job or whatever it is that is your path. Finding ways in which you can utilize that to create freedom for yourself in however way you define it and fulfillment and purpose in your life. You need to be highly fulfilled by what it is that you're doing. And if you can meet yourself on that intersection, you will, you can't be stopped. Nothing can stop you because you'll always be moving continuously through every single setback and every single challenge closer and closer and closer towards that ideal. I love how you mentioned in the beginning of that, how you first thought about maybe I want to be a travel vlogger and then I just want to be a vlogger because I think you only get to the place of realizing that the dots connect going backwards by trying things and experimenting. And it's like, like you need to do things and be in the arena in order to say to yourself, oh, this all makes sense now. And you need to try a lot of things and you need to not be scared of failure and not be scared of what other people are going to think. Because if you are, then you're going to say to yourself, oh, I'm not going to try this because someone says that. And I think for me, that was a process of growing older, maturing, learning more about myself. For you, were you ever scared of what others thought about you in any sense? Or were you always just uh, true to yourself or feeling yourself? I mean, yes, of course. Of course, there, especially when I was younger, right? Um, mm-hmm. Fear of, of what peers think and the way in which you present yourself. Um, I don't know if I would call it so much fear anymore mm-hmm. in regards to like being scared of what people think of me because I'm not. You know, because I just choose to show up as, as the person that I am. And if you resonate with me, that's excellent. And if you don't resonate with me, that's excellent too, because I, that you get me out of the way and you get to find whoever it is that you actually resonate with, you know? I say that all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge, man. And, and, and the pie is so big now, Danny, and there's enough for everybody to eat. And I am all about like, if you... <laughs> If you don't like my message or me as the messenger, like more power to you. I want you to find the individual that can convey the message as the messenger that really clicks with you. And if, if I'm not that person for you, let me get the, you know, let me step back and out of your way. Cause I'm not, I'm not here to, to try to uh, push myself on to everybody because I know that I'll naturally connect with and resonate the people that I'm meant to connect with and resonate with. Right. Um, that being said, I'd like to make a note on, I think, the difference in regards to transparency and vulnerability, right? Because transparency is huge and it's absolutely necessary, especially as we continue to evolve and accelerate with the internet. Because obviously this isn't going anywhere. Billions of more people are going to come online inside of a decade, much sooner probably. And so transparency is going to become more and more and more valuable of, I don't want necessarily use the word commodity, but for lack of a better terminology, it is. Vulnerability, however, is this is what I have allowed you to know and you can somehow use that to hurt me. And I'm not saying vulnerability isn't important because it is, but I think it's an, it is important to understand one, what your threshold is when it comes to being vulnerable, i.e. what others can do 
to say that hurts you or, uh, or deters you and understanding what your sensitivity to that is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then defining from there, how you choose to show up online and be transparent online, if you choose to show up and be transparent online. And of course this expands beyond online, uh, interaction, the way you present yourself on the internet, it applies very much to real life interaction as well. Cause even though we live here, we still live out here too. You know what I mean? Um, and so, no, I wouldn't call it fear. I just, I just try to approach it as, as legitimately as I can and authentically as I can. And from that point, I recognize that I've done whatever I can, right? And the way in which my message is received after that is really out of my hands, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of switching gears a little bit. I want to talk about your meditation practice and what that looks like today. Sure, man. So uh, I'm glad that you asked this question, actually, because I have a variety of meditations. And some people really disagree with what I consider meditation in the first place. Um, meditation is the traditional image that invokes in most people's minds, the sitting up, the breathing, the, the eyes closed, the staying still, lotus position, the whole nine yards. That is meditation. That is not all meditation is. And I think if you confine your idea of what meditation actually is, you confine what you are able to do within the world. When you expand your perception and idea of what meditation is, possibility opens up to you in a way that you, you never could have even thought or imagined, right? I'm still surprised by it every single day. I have a multitude of meditative practices that are applied depending on what it is that I'm doing. Okay. For example, I consider the gym very much a meditation, right? Uh, I walk in there and it's a temple. I use music as a meditation for a multitude of different things when it comes to the gym, when it comes to my deep work that I'm doing, and I'll get into the specific, uh, specifics of this in a little bit. Um, I do do the traditional style of meditation, either sitting or laying down, focusing in on my breath, no external, you know, feedback or noise or anything. Um, but I think, before I begin to expand on certain practices and how to practice them and why they're beneficial, I want to make sure to note for your listeners, meditation is so many more things than what you think it is. And when you begin to understand that, and I would even extend it beyond uh, even a multitude of ways, but when you recognize that everything that you can do in some degree can be a meditation that's game-changing in life, hugely game-changing in life. Now to specific uses in regards to meditation, okay? Um, let's talk about three, okay? I'll, I'll give you three uh, that I fall back on very commonly. Um, first, uh, I tend to spend my summers in uh, northern part of the United States, and it gets cold up there, right? And I don't, well, I, I say I spend my summers. Sometimes I'm there in my winters, right? Predominantly my summers. I have access to a sauna up there. One of my favorite things to do and favorite forms of meditation is I will go into the sauna and then I will uh, uh, light a candle and I will practice what is called Chitaka meditation. And this is where you stare at the candle flame and you focus on it and that's it. That's the whole thing. And obviously you engage your breath in the way that you do when you meditate. Um, you can blink 
uh, I'll recommend this meditation to, to followers or clients. And they'll be like, well, I tried to focus and I, and you know, I could only do it for so long. Cause I, I had to blink and I'm like, no, 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 you can blink. Like you just don't try to make your eyes bleed from this. You can blink. But, uh, I utilize this with the intention of enhancing my focus and my ability to focus, because here's the way that I translate it. Um, first and foremost, it's just really cool to do in the sauna because the heat of the sauna just adds kind of a whole other element to the breathing and staring. And I've had some, some unbelievable experiences through this meditation. The way that I describe it is there are thoughts that you have and then they, and you know that they come from you. And then there are thoughts that you have and it feels like they come through you where they come from who can really say, right. They're in you, but they're not from you. They're through you. I I'm assuming you, you can relate to that sentiment. 100%. I've talked to Gay Hendricks and he says downloads from nature, like is the best way to describe it. Yes. It's exactly is, is a perfect analogy for it. A perfect way to put it. Right. So this is the way that I think about it. Okay. I am an entrepreneur, right? Entrepreneurship requires me to be highly engaged and focused. I am constantly battling a world that does not want me to be highly engaged and focused because the phone, this little monolith in my pocket wants to constantly take my attention away and it makes it incredibly easy to do, right? And so how do I sharpen my ability to pay attention and maintain my ability to pay attention? stare at a candle flame for 20 minutes and get good at it and comfortable with it. And then when I actually sit down to do deep work and I recognize how that state feels internally, when I'm in that meditation, I can click into that. Mm-hmm. And this is when I talk about flow, right? Entering the flow state is a skill and you can learn to, to reduce the friction between not being in and being in. And I recognize this form of meditation as uh, as a practice for sharpening your ability to access flow, right? Um, by the way, I have resources on all of these methods that I'm going to be explaining to you if you want me to share it with you so you can give links to your listeners, 100% down to do that. Because um, obviously there's people that are much more expert level on these practices than I am and can probably explain it a little bit more simply and clearly than I can. And I'll happily provide those for you so you can give that uh, to your listeners. Um, So that's one form of meditation that I love. Okay. Another form of meditation that I absolutely love um, is here in Tulum. I love riding my bike because it's beautiful here. It's it's beautiful. And so I, every time I go outside, I'm invigorated with this sense of wonder. I just feel so much gratitude for being where I'm at for the climate. And that is highly conducive to, to uh, subconscious programming in a beneficial way. So one thing I love to do is I will put on my headphones, kind of like the ones that you have on right now over, over the ear wireless banging headphones. I love them so much, (laughs) but I'll put them on and then I'll put on some form of of uh, affirmation video or um, double induction video. And for those who may not understand what that is, it's double speak. So it's like uh, I am X, Y, Z. And then before they finish that first sentence, then immediately I am this statement comes. So they overlap with each other. And the reason that that is beneficial is because it bypasses a lot of the conscious processing and goes straight to the subconscious mind, right? I'll listen to these types of affirmation videos, or I'll put on just some really emotionally driving music while 
moving through my own affirmations. And I recognize that through the state of gratitude, through the state of wonder, through the state of just love for being alive, and then combining that with beneficial affirmation, beneficial programming, beneficial language that can internalize into my subconscious, I'm creating a, a, a uh, prime landscape from which to, to grow greater thoughts, greater feelings that lead to better action, right? So that's one form, another form of meditation that I absolutely love. And then the third form of meditation that I'm going to talk about is actually the process of taking what is otherwise perceived as negative emotion, sadness, anger, frustration, anxiety, stress, all of these feelings that we're all familiar with and that most of us deal with in a reactionary sense, this form of meditation allows you to respond to those emotions and utilize them in a way that is beneficial for you. Whenever I feel angry or frustrated or anxious, I will go hypno mode at the gym, right? And I allow all of that tension in my body energetically to move through my being into the weights. And that ultimately benefits me, not only my physical health in the long term, but my mental and emotional state in the short term, right? And I use the same kind of practice. I'll usually loop like three songs in the gym and just let them become kind of like just these, just this hypnotic, I guess you could say, um, rhythms. And I just allow myself to just kind of get lost in that, right? I think this is part of the reason that like uh, so many spiritual traditions incorporate, you know, drums and rattles and, and, and music and sound in their, in their practices and their tradition, because it's one of the most powerful ways in which to bring yourself into a, in a state of, uh, I guess you could say singular awareness, right? Music is so powerful. And to think that, that just in the last, I don't know, a hundred years, people were hearing music that wasn't present to them in the moment for the first time. And we are so grateful to be able to hear music that isn't directly in front of us. I think it's, it's one of those things that's underrated and underappreciated about life. So take us through some of the music that you listen to. What, what, oh, are, what are the tracks that you love that, to go back to? Sure. I, I, I think I'll give more genres rather than specific tracks. And I also mm-hmm. go ahead and give when I listen to it and those types of, that type of music and why, right? Sure. Because I have ha, being a musician myself, having been a musician myself, I have a deep pr- appreciation for a wide variety of music. You know, yep. I, it's very rare for me to listen to something and actually not like it. It happens, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a song and be like, ah, it's not it. Um, when I'm in the gym, I love, you know, hard rap, uh, hard rock. I'll listen to metal sometimes. Um, I will make a point, though. I always try to listen to music that has conducive lyrics. And what I mean by that is music that I feel amplifies me on a vibrational level rather than because I know I, I, I like, you know, the a lot of the popular music is like, you know, get money, get women. There's nothing wrong with that in, intrinsically. But I think the way in which we choose to listen to music, because music is very programming because it brings you into a state unlike anything else can. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important to be conscious of what you present into your awareness when it comes to music and the way in which that you are using music to improve your own self. To give a counter example, Big Sean, 
probably my favorite rap artist of all time because his lyrics are just top tier subconscious programming propaganda. You know, it's like he, the, his message is, is always just so you the goat and you can make it happen. You know what I mean? So, so I digress, but uh, hard rap in the gym, hard rock in the gym. I listen to some metal in the gym. Uh, when I sit down to do deep work, I usually include music for some people that doesn't work, but when I do listen to music in the gym, it tends to be uh, lyricless, uh, especially, or uh, excuse me, when I'm doing deep work, not in the gym, but it tends to be lyricless, um, especially when I'm writing or doing something that is very mentally engaging. Um, Synthwave got put on because of Twitter <laughs> and I, I get it. It's really cool. Uh, I'll listen to classical music. Sometimes um, I will listen to like uh, piano covers of some of my favorite anime intros. Cause I'm a, I'm a big anime nerd <laughs> and uh, the music from it is beautiful and people make awesome renditions of, of piano and guitar covers and things like that. Um, so if I'm doing something that is highly mentally engaging on my end, especially when it comes to like language processing with writing, I can't listen to lyrics mm -hmm. because they conflict, right? Um, when I am out, let's say biking, uh, I'll listen to things like, um, like Porter Robinson, really uplifting, uh, very like wonder inducing is what I call it. Just very like almost wants to make you kind of cry in the way that it feels through your being, right? Those are the types of, that's the type of music I'll listen to. Music that just really brings a sense of emotional weight with it. Um, and that I find highly conducive to just well living, right? Because I look at music as not only as a, a form of, of entertainment and, but such a, such a powerful tool for, for self-improvement, cultivating greater self-awareness, um, entering states that you need to be in in order to do things well. I mean, like, think about it. Every world champion fighter in the world or high performer in the world, before they go on, they're, they're usually bumping tunes is because they need mm -hmm. that. Well, they don't need it. Right. Cause I'll give my respect to, to uh, David Goggins. Right. And his no music while training. Right. <laughs> I, I get that, but nothing. I, I think, I don't think there's anything that is as, as easily and readily accessible to bring yourself into a certain state that you want to occupy or prefer to occupy when taking an action than music. For example, uh, again, just going to another type when I wake up in the morning and move through my own rituals and my own practices in the morning, I'll always put on something that's really easygoing, really light kind of music, like, um, like kind of a jazz or like mm. a chill hop kind of wavy vibe type of thing. And that really sets my, sets my state for the, for the practices that I go through every day and really sets me up for my day ahead. Right. So those are just some examples of the way in which I not only utilize music, how I meditate, and how I consider what I consider meditation and how intimate of a relationship for me, music and meditation have with one another. You just mentioned those, those first few moments of your day, you alluding it. to some sort of morning routine. What does that look like for Justin sure. Scott? You got it, man. So every single day, uh, I'll go ahead and actually take some of the pressure off uh, my own self and maybe some viewers. If I go through my week and five days out of seven, I did 80% of my morning routine won that week, hundred percent won 100%. that week. 100%. And of course I always like, I'm aiming, don't get it twisted. I'm aiming for a hundred percent, seven days every week, but I recognize my own humanity, my own 
proclivity to want to be, you know, lazy. I'm a big cat by nature. So I would love to just spend all my time out by this pool and laying in the sun doing absolutely nothing. But I know that that ultimately isn't conducive uh, to do that every single day, all day. Right. Um, so want to make a note of that. My morning uh, practices, uh, I call them rituals because I think it's important to understand the difference between a habit and a ritual. And that's something that we can get into if you want to talk about that a little bit more after this fact. But uh, I do stretching of my body or some kind of movement in my body um, for about 15 to 20 minutes. I do breath work and I'll cycle between the types of breath work that I do, but nothing invigorates my energy and keeps it up throughout the entire day than my breath work does. Um, I personally, uh, I wouldn't necessarily consider this a ritual, but just, uh, I'm not like a big breakfast person and never have been. So in the morning I'll usually do like some kind of light protein. Um, I'll either have some raw eggs or a protein shake and like a piece of fruit. And that's prime, you know, that's, that's all I need for, for the, for the first part of the day. Um, but anyway, so stretching breath work, I always dedicate, uh, an allotted amount of time to learning. So I will actively study, meaning that I take notes on at least five pages of a book, nonfiction that I feel can benefit me, uh, give me ideas for content, give me new insights, connect information that's currently not connected in my mind, things like that. Um, or anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes of like a podcast or a YouTube video or something along those lines. So stretching, breathing, taking time to actively study and learn, um, I take my supplementation. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and, you know, give too many recommendations, but you know, the standards like fish oil and vitamin D and on top of a couple other things that I, that I take every single day to help kind of just maintain my allergy or energy levels and my mood. Uh, Spanish lesson, which I'm still very not great at Spanish, but I am continuously getting, you just gradually a little bit better, but I make a point to, to incorporate that. Um, let me just double check real quick to make sure that I'm not missing anything. I have all of this outlined on my own personal, just, I guess you could say life organization system, mm -hmm. uh, because I like to maintain my mental energy for the tasks that I need to do on a given day. So meditation, stretch, breath work, ah, my scrum and intentions. So I follow, are you familiar with scrum at all in sprint method? So, mm -hmm. uh, this is, I don't want to go too in depth on this, because I could talk about this probably for like 40 minutes. And so, but basically it's, it's a daily check-in with yourself when it comes to your productive work. Uh, what your intention is for the day in regards to what you want to accomplish and how you did the day before. And you feel this in every day. And this is beneficial because it allows you to recognize patterns in your own behavior when it comes to your uh, snags, like what, you consistently do that keeps you in a state of, of low performance and also your strengths, what you're consistently doing that's keeping you in a state of high performance. So again, it, it goes back to this conscious living, right? Being very acutely aware of the action that we take and the way we think and the way we engage, right? And then my intentions that I do every day, which I'll share with, I'll share these with you 100% uh, all the way. So I always set what am I, I am grateful for what and then for the day, I will set, I'm grateful for X, you know, or Y or Z or whatever. Um, a lot of the times it's the same thing, but I think it's important to acknowledge something to be grateful for before you really begin your day. Uh, what would make today great? An intention that I set for how I want to win the day. And as long as I experience this or give this to myself, usually I make it something in my control, sometimes not, you know. Um, 
I've won the day. The, the day was great, right? Sometimes it's as simple as going to the gym and getting a good workout, uh, getting two hours of really conscious, deep focus work on this project that I'm currently working on. Uh, and then what am I embodying today? I'll reference how I woke up feeling. Like if I'm feeling on top and high energy, you know, I'm embodying something like vibrance or, or prosperity or, or just abundance, right? But if I woke up and I'm like, man, today's not it, <laughs> I'll be like, resiliency or embodying um uh calm or or fluidity you know flexibility something that allows me to move through waking up on that wrong side of the bed a little bit more easily uh and then at the end of the day i'll follow up with what was special about today so i had what i thought would make today great but then i want to reference the actual day and acknowledge what i felt was special within that day and then how could I have made today better? Because every single day, shouldn't say every day. There are some days where I'm like, man, I killed it. I, there's nothing I could have done to make today better. It was great. But, you know, almost every day, there's always a little something that I feel like I could have done to improve or make it better. So uh, just to make sure I ran through them all. Meditation. Oh, and a meditation practice in the morning. Mm-hmm. Usually this is more the traditional style. You know, I'll sit or I will lay. Um, sometimes I will combine my breathwork practice with my meditative practice. So I'll perform the breath work and then I'll allow myself to remain in position and mm. go with like 10 or 15 minutes of meditation. So meditation, stretching plus breathing, my scrum and intentions, uh, my, my active studying Spanish lesson, and then I'll take my supplements. And then that's the whole, the whole day. It sounds like, or the, the whole framework for setting the day. It sounds like a lot, about an hour give or take, you know, to, to get through all of it. And if you do that five out of seven days, you're winning five out of seven days before the day has even started. You got it, man. That's exactly it. What an incredible way to approach life. What about for the end of the day? Do you have any specific wind down routines you can share with us? You know it, bro. I have my morning activation and um, my solar activation and my lunar activation. And uh, for the evening, it's much more low key. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, you're winding down. So I'll follow up with my intentions, right? Those, those last two, um, uh, what was special about today? What could I have done to make today better? Mm-hmm. I'll review, uh, my, my lever moving tasks for the day. See where I got with those. Um, see if I'm, you know, biting off more than I can chew, see if I can take on more, just kind of coordinating with myself, uh, how things are performing within that day and how that relates to the week. Right. I'll do another session of stretching and breathing. Um, usually instead of 10 or 15 minutes, I'll sometimes only spend like five minutes here, right? Mm. Um, just consciously moving in my body, uh, consciously bringing my attention to my breath to, to bring myself kind of down to move into a sleep state. Um, and then I have some nighttime supplementation that I do as well. And that's it for the, for the evening. Everything else is just kind of extra from there. Um, I will engage, especially recently, because uh, I will be fully transparent and say that sleep has always been a difficult thing for me. I'm like always have trended more towards wanting to stay up till three or four a.m. Um, getting off my phone sometimes can be a really difficult thing for me because I'm always in conversations. You know, I'm thinking about content ideas, I'm reading or researching, or you know, sometimes I'm mindless scrolling. Like I'm not going to play. But, uh, uh, more lately, um, uh, audiobooks have been really beneficial for me in, in uh, not only getting away from some of those uh, detrimental habits, um, but also enhances my ability, I think, to visualize. 
because mm-hmm. I have to actually imagine what's going on within the within the world. Always fiction, the audiobooks that I listen to at night. So that is my morning rituals and my evening rituals that I perform every single day. Uh, or at least, like I said, aim for five to seven times out of the week. How do you get back to the practice after you've fallen off, you've fallen off for a couple of days? Yeah, I'm actually glad that you asked this question because this is something that has come up a little bit more frequently than I would have anticipated for not only other people in my sphere, you know, people that I'm just friends with and that I network with, but clients that I'm working with too, is I believe people have cycles when it comes to kind of on and off performance, right? Mm. So for me personally, I find that every fourth or fifth week, if I've gone really in for like three weeks and everything's just been really on, will oftentimes be very clunky if I'm trying to continue the pattern, right? So let's say three weeks out of the month, I am highly productive, winning in my business, feeling up and elevated every single day. And of course, this isn't always the case. And I'm not going to set the standard that this is always how it goes. But uh, a lot of the time on that fourth week, I'm just not there in the same the same capacity mm-hmm. and so i've been wondering again you presenting this question how do you deal with that and first and foremost and more so i'm speaking to the rationally minded problem solving entrepreneurs that are listening to your podcast primarily i think it is important to define what it means to be a high performer and what actions are considered high performance action because here's a hint it isn't all business related it isn't all money making related it isn't all product service related right so here's how i approach it um and i can get into the specific like days because obviously even in those three week periods where i'm on there will still be a couple days out of the week maybe that will be a little less on right but i want to think about it on a macro scale first so i will be on for three weeks when it comes to my productive output and my entrepreneurial output. And then let's say the fourth week is approaching and I've gotten pretty good at sensing when I'm going to be kind of on a little bit of a dip. Mm. I will then change the way I approach that week. I do what I need to do in order to maintain uh, when it comes to my entrepreneurial endeavors, but I'm not looking to optimize as much. I'm not looking to progress as much. What I'm really thinking about is how can I spend more time outside riding my Mm. bike or taking a walk, spending more time with a book, spending more time with my girlfriend or calling my parents or talking with friends, spending more time on the personal side of the equation rather than being fully consumed by the professional side of the equation. And I find that when I do that, I make the low weeks also very high performance weeks, but just in a very different sense and in a different way. But I would argue not only equally important, but in many ways, much more important and in ways that are very highly conducive to when it comes time for me to go back to that high production uh, uh, output kind of style, right? Or those types of weeks, I'm primed to do it because I have allowed myself to decompress in a way that is very important. And this is really the point that I want to, to touch on when it comes to this question is decompression is a high performance skill. A hundred percent. Yes. There are some people that are freaks who can just go 20, 25, eight fingers. Don't go to the bone. Eyes don't bleed. They just got to keep getting it and getting it and getting it and getting it. And if that is you lean into that all the way, but most of us, we have, have uh, ceilings 
and are more subject to burnout. And we need to understand that not only is decompression important because it reserves our energy and replenishes our enemy or our energy, not our enemies, our energy, <laughs> but uh, uh, allows time for the information that we've processed, the experiences that we've had, the progress that we've made. It allows it time to integrate into our being and also give potential clarity and insight that we would not have otherwise had if we were constantly in the state of compression and onness, right? Like um, some of the better ideas I have are in the shower. Why? It's because I'm decompressing. I'm not thinking about work and I'm not thinking of, of, of being productive and I'm not thinking of, of optimizing myself and my life. I'm taking a shower or when I'm out on my bike or taking a walk, boom, it'll just come. And it's because I'm not giving all of my attention and awareness to that productive state, that, that uh, state that is conducive to problem solving and creating. I'm just allowing my mind to kind of float on the water, so to speak. And like I said earlier in the, in the cast, when that water is clear, you can more accurately see what's down in the depths that really should come up to the surface, right? I love the way you approach it. And on the topic of the shower specifically, it reminded me of something that I found yesterday in a podcast, the Modern Wisdom podcast, which is a great podcast. But they talked about the life hack of having a notepad that's waterproof in the shower (laughs) for idea capture. And that goes back to something we were talking about before. It's kind of interesting to think about. Sure. Um, Great idea. Yeah, and they they sell them on Amazon apparently. So oh, okay, great. Maybe, That's awesome. maybe something to look into. Okay, but, yeah. But also, your whole system reminds me of a deload week, right? Like, let's say you're perfect for three weeks, and then you got you, it. the the fourth week, you you're not going to progress infinitely upward. So to have self compassion for yourself is difficult sometimes when you're in the thick of it and you're you're firing on all cylinders. But sometimes it's for your benefit to ease back on the weights a little bit. And that's a gym reference, but it applies to life too. And I love how you made that. Yeah. And I like the way that you put it too. Uh, a deload week is exactly, exactly what, what it is. It is, it is just pulling back. And like you said, the gym reference I use all of the time, right? If you try to go hundred percent in the gym all day, every day, you're going to burn yourself out way quicker. And it's going to ultimately be non-conducive to what is otherwise a very conducive practice. And so this is obviously, um, the practice of balance. And, and I wouldn't even call, I wouldn't even say balance, but also just blending and mm. understanding how to, to coordinate the, the different um, aspects of life and, and how they blend together and can give back and forth to, from one to the other, right? Justin, this has been so much fun. Dude. Are there, are there any other topics you want to discuss or, or explore? Uh, oh man, I mean, I would... The answer is yes, but if I if I gave if I said you know we can do this and this and this we would, this would be a six hour long podcast. So I say to be continued, and we do this again in the near future. Definitely, definitely. Cool. Where can people find you? Yeah, if they want more. Justin you got it. C Scott. So uh, I am Justin C Scott on Twitter primarily. I'll be in other places here in the near future, but uh, I highly, highly recommend people join my free Telegram channel, Absolute Abundance Broadcast. Link is. In, uh, uh, in my bio on my Twitter, pin tweet on my, on my Twitter. Um, I've been having so much fun with this telegram channel. Everybody in it is absolutely loving it. Um, we're 
almost to 1500 subscribers. Wow. So uh, hopefully we continue to progress that and bring people in because like I said, I'm having a blast with, with sharing things that I'm only sharing in that channel and uh, for those subscribers. So those are the two primary places that I think that they should look for me. Awesome. And those will be in the show notes at dannymiranda.com slash podcast. Thank you, Justin, for taking the time. I really appreciate you. And this has been so much fun. Likewise, Danny. Thank you, my brother. That was my conversation with Justin C. Scott. If you enjoyed it or you have any thoughts about the episode, let me know on Twitter at Hey Danny Miranda is the best place to give me feedback for this conversation. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening until the final moments of this podcast. I truly appreciate you and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.